Welcome to WTTS In Conversation. I'm Matt Pelser. Can I just say this? I had the best time talking to Todd Snyder. I've admired not just his music, but his whole philosophy on things, most things. And I got to say, I love how it's evolved. And we can definitely talk about that. We also get around to the movie Hard Luck Love Song that was inspired by his song, Just Like Old Times. And when his hero, John Prine, passed away, he paid tribute with a special live stream, which then later influenced the way he does shows now. We talk about that. We had a great time. I hope you have a good time listening. It's WTTS In Conversation with singer-songwriter Todd Snyder. Hi, is this Todd? Yeah, it sure is. Hey, Todd Snyder, this is Matt Pelser from WTTS. You got uh, some time for me? Yeah, I sure do. Thank you for calling me. You been all right? I've been good. I just got off the road yesterday from a 59 show run. But that's the way I I live like that. I, I do a lot better when I'm some another town every day, and that's just the way I live. I missed it. Uh, did you feel like you were making up for lost time from yeah, pandemic? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It, it was one of the better tours I'd ever been on because I just have a re- renewed appreciation for that lucky gift of getting to do that at night. Do you, do you feel like it's something you'll ever take for granted again? Or do, I mean, we all like to say we, we don't take things for granted, but, you know, the tedium of life on the road for a touring musician, I mean, you know, pre-pandemic. Yeah, it makes you crazy. It makes people mad. Feel like they go mad. I feel like I lost my, the, lost the plot like in the late 90s where it just had been 300 shows in a row. I didn't know my name anymore. <laughs> this uh, just let go. It's a really cool way to make a living, you know, and it's easy to take for granted. The only the thing about it that is hard is that you don't get to sleep that much, and it's not from partying or you know you just have another show. Usually nervous or, or just can't sleep because you're wound up or it's not the easiest job in the world, but it's got to be close. How do you deal with that part of it? I just let myself go mad a few years ago, right? you know, 15, 20 years ago. I just realized I, I don't mean like crazy insanity, but I just don't think sanity is or logic or any of that fits. You just have to be like a sock in a dryer. You can't beat <laughs> it or turn it into some family-oriented thing. It's your troubadour and you're out there uh, banging around, you know. Has it been different? In this weird, not quite post-pandemic situation we're in right now, like what what have you what have you locked in on that's uh, different from the time before? Right. Well, I thought that I feel like the especially at the beginning, the first show I did back, I could tell that the crowd was so happy to just see each other. Yeah. That I mean, they were nice to me too, but I remember really enjoying the moment when these people, these people just haven't been out in a long time and they know each other. They were, everybody was hugging and stuff out there. It was kind of an emotional thing. Everybody singing and hugging. Did greater energy from the crowd come with that? Like, did, did it I almost seem so, like yeah. these crowds enjoyed it more than they did maybe before? I do. Yeah, I do. It feels like the frequency of that has been raised for both people. And I hope it lasts, you know. I hope it lasts. There are some people that really love live music. I'm one of them. I, when I'm not playing it, I like to be around it and, it's a hard thing to let go of for those of us who just, it's my hobby. It's my main hobby is rock and roll. 
Well, does it seem like live music audiences want anything different right now? Like, have you gotten any surprising reactions? Are there certain kinds of songs that are connecting better or worse at the moment? I'll tell you, I have noticed that I haven't just, I haven't felt like I have some needly liberal songs. I, don't, I love the songs, but they haven't felt right. You know, they say you're not supposed to talk religion and politics in bars, and I always have, but I found that after... I feel like without even trying to judge the way the last president, what he did to people, he galvanized some and bothered some others, and it made it almost too prickly. I'm not sure I think people want that right now. Or maybe it's just me. I don't want to be spewing my politics right now. It feels like everybody would like a break from that. Yeah, but you've got a brand of it, you know, that's not to in your fa- I mean you've said it before you know you you present your opinion because it rhymes <laughs> right <laughs> you know? that's right and I'm a democrat that doesn't hate republicans we're rare well I think that I think it's necessary anymore to try to find some freaking way to come together you know right that's what I think we can't it, it can't just be half the country is a, a total idiot and one day we're going to know which half that's it's heavier than that <laughs> Uh, there's this movie out now, Hard Luck Love Song, based on your song, Just that? Like Old Times. Yeah, that that's, blew my mind. Yeah, what did you, you think of it? What's it been like to see your song expanded into a feature-length story like that? It, it, I loved it. Yeah? And this kid named Justin Corsby made it, and I doubted him. He really showed me. Uh, when I saw him at the premiere, I, I felt like, uh, I owed him an old borderline owed him an apology for thinking he was fake. Like nobody makes movies out of guys like me songs. <laughs> and then I saw the movie and I'm like, great, what's this going to play at the Burbank Festival or whatever? And then all of a sudden they said, no, it's coming out in the theaters. And I got like a bunch of songs in it. And the kid, the actor, I met that actor. I think he made. It's kind of supposed to be like it's me. I mean, I've seen I've seen the trailer. I don't. It doesn't quite seem like you because this guy seems like a like a hardcore hustler and kind of a borderline violent badass. Yeah, yeah. I'm not violent. I don't get in fights, and I would hustle people if I could. I feel like what I do is such a hustle. I have to just leave it at that. I can't believe that I get away with just singing my songs still thirty some <laughs> years later. Well, I mean, to, to get back to that, I, let me just say how much I love the new record, First Agnostic Church oh, of Hope you. and Wonder. Yeah, man, it's it, as we've talked about, it's this pointed social commentary in the in the laid back style we've come to expect from you. And I don't know, you can do whatever you want with it. You can skim the surface, or you and just enjoy the groove, or you can go deep. I was on board for all of it, and I just think it turned out great. Thanks for putting it out. Oh man, thank you. I've been wanting to do a record like that for a long time. I wasn't sure if the people who'd been doing, been so kind to me over these years were going to like it that much. I'm surprised they liked it as much. And, I, and, I, and I'm glad I got it out of my system because I really wanted to hear that sound. And I thought we did okay. I thought we did a pretty good job. It's like folk funk. Something. Yeah, that's what I liked most about it was just how, how funky it is because it seems like... Um, if a new fan started with this record, you make it sound like the funk's always been there. You really just blended oh, it into you. what you already do. Is it, was that a fun new vocabulary for you to explore? Oh, ton. I had such a good time doing this because I thought about it for so long. And then, 
Yeah, I would just, I would get on the microphone and sing the song, and then we'd add drums. Just we start with a vocal, and then <laughs> you don't start there. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, that's not. And then now a lot of the songs I'm still learning them because I made them up backwards and don't really know how to play them. <laughs> I I I played banjo on a lot of stuff, but I'm having a lot of fun learning these new songs because funk songs tend to stay on one chord which is a cool thing as a guitar player. If you're not a crazy accomplished guitar player, you can do more if the song stays in one chord. Uh, the the behind-the-scenes videos that you put up on YouTube, you know, making this record and doing, doing these live streams and stuff have just been so much fun. I, when I watch them, though, as a person who has made videos myself, I, I kind of, you know, I mean, they, they look like really laid-back productions, but, you know, there's some work going into this. Who's doing those for you? Yeah, we, we yeah, my buddy Joel, who was filming the shows on Sunday, was like, we did those Sunday shows, and eventually we were like, well, should we just come back tomorrow? <laughs> and just, we're having fun sitting around here. And I said to Joel, I was like, well, just film these sessions, too. Let's get that. And I loved, he did it. It was like a 30-year-old kid named Joel, and he filmed it all and edited it all. And it was cool. We had such a good time making it. I feel like people get an insight into actually more like what more what normal records are made like. But a lot of times it starts with a drum, and then a vocal, and that's the way this was. It just was really pieced together slowly. The Sunday live streams that you did were uh, were great, and of course that's what the title of the new record came from: First Agnostic Church right. of Hope and Wonder. And um, what I keep hearing from artists who did live streams, and everybody did. Um, is that there's just, I mean, there's no decent alternative for the feedback you get from a live audience. However, having done the live streams as much as you did, how did you end up getting a read on what fans liked or wanted? What was your preferred way to connect with the audience? Yeah, I think that's a cool question. It, the first one was weird. I was like, what are we doing? I'm not even sure what this is. And then I got home and I think over 10,000 people were watching and they gave us a ton of money. And I, I understood the scope of it better, which meant that the set, the next week, I was uh, way too you know, The second one, I was really nervous once I realized how many people were watching. <laughs> and, and then right after the second one, uh, John Prine's wife let us know that John had passed. And uh. we just kind of cried the rest of the day, but... That night, I was like, I want to go back down tomorrow, and I just want to play John Prine songs from memory. And we did like a two-and-a-half-hour show. I was like, I know all his songs. I can play them from memory. And that helped. I don't know what that was, but there was something about I would just play his songs, and then I'd just look it right into the camera and tell his life story as we were going, and it, it was so easy the next week, I just fell right back into it as if it was the thing with Prime. It just, all of a sudden, it's like we were doing the John Prime tribute, sort of knocked me into a personality. Or, you know, people change a lot, even in small phases. And that kind of knocked me into this mood that all of a sudden it was perfect. I liked just talking to the camera, you know. By the time it was over, I really, really liked it. I missed it. And we say someday we're going to do it again. Well, you're doing a lot of storytelling on this tour, right? Tons. Tons more than ever on this tour. I don't know. I think I'm talking before almost all the songs. Just getting old and nostalgic. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, does it take you someplace different each night, or, or is, are there some, certain stories that you just got to you got to make sure that you get this one out? I've been telling one about John Prine that that hasn't changed much because it's like some stuff I would like people to know that I saw him do. And, and like people ask me what he's like all the time, and I have like two or three examples, and I've been sharing them. But mostly, I just wing it. I, you know, I didn't used to do that though. And then I met that comedian Richard Lewis. I've been like he's been mentoring me on storytelling for like the last four or five years. Hmm. And it's helped me a whole lot. It's helped me to not repeat the same stories over and over. But there's got to be, I mean, you know, you can draw a parallel with music. You know, rehearsal is good. There's got to be something about rehearsing the same stories over and over that makes it better when you tell them. I'll tell you, that's true. It it, it is true. Like the the story about John keeps getting better. Yeah. And there's, I have, that's true. Almost all my good stories that people know that ended up on a live album. Uh, that live album you ended up hearing it on was probably the 50th time I told it. <laughs> but I don't mind. It's like songs. I also learned a lot from Jimmy Buffett to drop another name, you know? Yeah. He made me feel like uh, he taught me some tricks that he told me never to even pass. He said, don't pass this on to anybody. I'm just telling you. And it was about how to bull between songs. And then Richard Lewis helped me to to just make it so that if I wanted it to, it could be different. And if I didn't, it didn't have to be. Does it feel like the audience gives you the space to do that? I mean, I would say your audience probably does, but do you ever feel sure crammed? I get so lucky. I don't know what, how I lucked into this group of people that listens to me, but I feel like I get away with everything. <laughs> but then they just okay. they I and no, but you know what when I was a Neil Young fan, I liked that one of the things or I still am, but one of the things I liked about him was that I always knew if he was doing it, he wanted to be doing it. If he was there, he wanted to be there. If it, if he was making a record, he wanted to be making a record. He didn't make the record. He never made the record or did the show that he was supposed to. He always just sort of did what he wanted to. And as a fan, I was like ready to go down and see him just do new songs or ready to like on the tonight's the night tour when he was so drunk all the time it's like well he goes through phases he's inconsistent and i love it john prine is somebody i mean we'll come back to john prine here he he's somebody that we're you know we're never going to see the likes of him again but i'm sure that you as a fan and to a degree a a latter-day contemporary I, are you looking for the next closest thing to John Prine and any artists these days? Have you found anything close? There is a girl named Sierra Farrell that I think is the best troubadour now. Yeah. Uh, I, I freaking discovered her. She didn't even say it. I saw her busking in Asheville and uh, called my manager and had her sing a song on the phone. And that's been eight years ago. She just put out her first record, but I've never met a more natural troubadour. She reminds me of myself when I was young because she just doesn't have any strings. She's very free. I don't even know if the label thinks she'll stay. She, I, remember, I remember I used to go AWOL, you know. You know you're not supposed to go AWOL with a record deal, <laughs> but I bet you she does. And it's part of her personality that makes her so great. But then I also think Prime over the last 10 or 15 years, somehow became this character in Nashville that was very similar to what the role Johnny Cash had played. 
And so I would say, like, Sturgill Simpson, Tyler Childers, uh, there's a lot more. Chris Stapleton, Jason Isbell. There's a whole new wave of sort of country. It's like we're having an integrity scare in Nashville. <laughs> and it's like, um, I think we're about to go through a phase where country music gets pretty good. Because I think that all the young country singers now, they look up to Sturgill and Jason and Chris Stapleton. So it could be a good time coming up. Because even those three guys I just mentioned, they're not on the radio as country singers. They're just clearly have an accent and they're clearly loved by a lot of people. Yeah, well, I mean, it's like the country pop uh, formula is being, it's being blown up. It is. I think in Americana is that, that, you know, they used to call Americana unsuccessful country. But then somebody banded us all together and we started throwing our own parties and then we started having our own heroes. And now I feel like we're going through a phase where the, even though Americana is a smaller thing than country, I think country's about to be really influenced by Margot Price and Casey Musgraves. Mm. And I think we're about to have a new period. And then that'll go away and get replaced by something, too. Do you feel like commenting on the whole Grammy controversy, putting Casey Musgraves in the pop category instead of the uh, country category, that whole thing? Oh, I didn't even know they did that. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, been a whole thing. I wonder thing. why. Well, that hardly seems fair. Yeah, it's like they say, they they listened to it and they said, this isn't country, this is pop, so if, if we're going to consider this, it's going to be in the pop category and not the country category, and, you know, she and her fans are not happy about it. Yeah, that's crazy. That's telling some girl that she can't take country music anywhere. Yeah. Right? She might be breaking ground. They used to not even let drums in. It, there's still room. There's, there's a thing in Americana, too, where I wish they wouldn't do, where, like, once you get too popular, like, I know Ryan Adams is, went through a big scandal a year or two ago, but I always wondered why his records weren't getting awards at the Americana stuff for Wilco or all these bands that paved the way that seemed to be too popular. That doesn't seem like a fair reason to get excluded. Like my friend Jack Ingram had the number one song in the world, a number one country song in the country, but he was an Americana singer pulling that off. And I don't know, I think both of these things will merge eventually and turn into something real cool. I mean, I think I think what's what's happened is the lines have become so blurred that that the people who like putting stuff in boxes can't find the boxes anymore. That's right. I love it. I bet you that's part of the internet too. It's a fun time to be a musician. Also, it's a good time, like to be a singer who was around before the internet. And then, well, not you know, not before the internet, but a lot of people like me have been able to keep careers that I, if it had been 1978, it would have petered out. After the major label, a few records for major label, drift away, get a job. Yeah, yeah. And you kind of have to do that now if you don't like, if you don't mind traveling like crazy. It seems like you don't. Yeah, I live, I, I, I can't see myself ever not being a gypsy. I grew up like that. My father claims to be gypsy. It was a, Romani from Germany that came over after the war changed their name to a German name. Growing up on all that, that moving is the closest thing to being free. And I mean, if my dad was alive, he would be so proud. It'd be that we were going to a whole new town every day. 
But then he'd be like, why are you, call, why are you using the same name in every town? You have a different <laughs> name in every town. I was like, that's the only bummer about... Like, it's a sort of a sin to be Todd Snyder all the time in my <laughs> culture, but I have to be. Because, you know, because my name is kind of my job. And so, you, I mean, you're recording every single one of these shows, right? Uh, what are you hoping yeah, comes out of that? Yeah, so far. Yeah. I, I think we've got some good recordings. I think we've had some really good shows on this tour. I'm playing guitar pretty good. You know, I never was that good on guitar. I think this this record might be the best guitar playing I've done. What are you doing Not with... that Billy Strings has anything to be worried about. <laughs> <laughs> what, are you, what are you wanting to do with these recordings? I, I, I've, I've just, I, I can't decide if I want to make a compiler into the... Like the last two live recordings we did were like 20 shows and we take the best of everything and put it all together. If one of the shows, the New York show, the Nashville show, and the Atlanta show, I want to listen to them again. We might just put a night out, you know. So I have two choices, you know. If I nailed one night and it feels like an art, a piece of art all by itself, and then again, I can just splice the best things together too if, that, if I didn't nail a night. But I think we might have nailed a couple of nights. Do you tend to overthink that in retrospect? Like if you come off a night feeling great and then you go back and listen to it and it's not as great as you remember or it, it doesn't capture that sort of feeling that you left the stage with, do you, uh, do you I don't know, do you, you find yourself overthinking that sometimes? Yeah. Yeah. So in fact, the live records I've made, I haven't heard them. And I ask my friend, like my tour manager or a sound man, and I usually will get a rock critic that I like. I've asked Robert Criscow to help me with this one. Peter Cooper helped me with him. Hmm. And then, so my my tour manager, my sound man, and a, a rock critic that I respect, and I think Richard Lewis agreed to help me. And then I will let them make all the decisions. There you I go. Just, I'll just say, look, you guys do this. I trust you. I probably won't listen to it. I kind of want to just come full circle to where we started at the beginning uh, and ask point blank, and how you're feeling about the world in general. I mean, I feel like you could mine the current moment for about a dozen more albums. What do you think? Right. Yeah, the world in general right now, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't know if I'm rooting for people that much because it doesn't... Yeah, I would... For, for starters, I would hate to be in charge of anything right mm. now, especially the global warming thing. That, that I mean, I'm so glad that the Great Pacific Garbage Patch is not on my to-do list. Well, they took care of some of it in October. Did you hear about that? Yeah, that really excited me. Yeah. I'll tell you what I'd love to see now. that I'd like to see people, this is going to be a weird thing to say, it's always been easy. Like, you can pick on politicians like crazy. You can call them gutless, lying. Those cats could use a break. All of them. Yeah. I'm a liberal, but I also think the right wing could use a break, and the liberals could use a break, and... Nobody's as awful as we've painted each other out to be. You're not going to win anybody over unless you start with love, and right, and uh, not enough. Not enough people are doing that. But I, I, I am hopeful that it'll come around to that. Seems like you might be too. Yeah, I do too. It's it's gonna. It feels like it will have to eventually because it's the solution. Todd Snyder, I really appreciate your time today. Yeah, that was fun talking, man. I enjoyed it. This has been WTTS In Conversation. 
Subscribe to this podcast and find more at WTTSFM.com, or you can also stream us. I'm on every weekday morning. Follow WTTS on socials at WTTSFM. I'm at Matt Pelser Radio. Back again in a couple weeks. Talk to you then.